Good morning, welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. Every, ye- every week, as Jews, we are privileged to tap into our timeless messages, our beautiful insights of our Parsha, none of which are coincidental or random, but are designed to be able to communicate to messages for us for that week. And this week we have the privilege of learning Parsha's Kisavo, page 1068 in the Art Scroll, Stone Chumash. I want to thank our generous sponsors of the Parsha's Perspective series for the year, our dear friends Becky and Avi Katz and family, in loving memory of Becky's father, Le'ili Nishmas, David Menachem Manish, David Grossman. Thank you so much for your generosity. Also, this morning's shir is sponsored by my new dear friend, the Saka family, in honor of the Yurtzeit of Bahia Bashmuel. May her neshama have an aliyah. Thank you so much for your generosity and your newfound friendship. So deeply, deeply appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor a future Parsha Shir, brsonline.org slash sponsor. We made it easy, one stop. You can pay, choose the date, put in the language, brsonline.org slash sponsor. Sponsor. And with that, we begin. Kisavo, v'haya kisavo al harutz asher Hashem lokech anosein lachan nachala v'yishta v'yashavta ba. Moshe is continuing the speech on his final day. He's continuing this charge, this mission to the Jewish people, and he tells them, "It will be when you enter the land, the culmination, the fruition of all of this effort, of this redemption, of leaving Egypt to realize our mission, our goal, our mandate as a nation. Hashem will give you this land as an inheritance, and you will possess it, and you will dwell in it." And you will encounter, you will fulfill a mitzvah. You're going to take your first fruit and you're going to put it in a basket. And you're going to take that basket and you're going to trek. You're going to make the way all the way to Israel. We spend time, we won't review now, why the Torah never tells us exactly where this place is. It leaves it mysterious. Give us the coordinates. Tell us the name of the city. Where is this Makom? Where is the Shechina? Where is Hashem Shachain? Where can we feel he's a neighbor? He's accessible. He's right there. It just tells us mysteriously. It tells us very, uh, very uh, ambiguously. Go to that place. Go to that place. Rabbi Salavichik described, we studied at length, the notion that we are to hone our spiritual GPS, our spiritual antenna. We're supposed to feel and be drawn like a magnet to spirituality. It is not laid out. It's not described to us. We're not given the coordinates. We don't plug it into the GPS. We have to go and find it. So the farmer takes the first fruit, puts it in the basket, and brings the basket to Yerushalayim. And brings it to the coin in that time, and then gives the coin the basket. The coin places the basket next to the Mizbech, the altar. Then you call out and you say, and you have this entire proclamation. You review Jewish history until that point. We're going to look at all this in depth in a moment. And you present, And now I present my first fruit. I'm giving it before you, God. You bow down. And the farmer is overjoyed by all the good. Rejoice with all the goodness that Hashem has given you and your family, your household. You, the Levi, the Ger, everyone who is in your midst. The Mishnayos of Bikurim and the Rambam elaborate on exactly what this process was. The farmer took that first fruit and led a parade there was a musical accompaniment. First, the farmer, first of all, with the local farmers, would go to sleep outside, would wake up and call out, come, let's ascend to Yushalayim together. They'd be accompanied by a musical accompaniment, flute and other instruments. People from other cities would come out, would greet them, would accompany them 
on their entourage, on their parade to Yushalayim. The Kohanim, the priests, would come out and would greet them, and would escort them in. The holiest place, they would take these baskets, they were placed next to the altar. Why such pomp and circumstance? Why such a parade? Why such a tension? All for what? We're not talking about a huge donation, a large dedication. We're talking about the first fruit, a little fig, a little produce, a little gurnished, a little insignificant, a little inconsequential, a little negligible nothing. We know the Mishnah says that when that bud of the first fruit would come, the farmer would tie a string around so they could identify as the first fruit, taking a little fig, a little gurnished, a little nothing. And for that, music and parade and pomp and circumstance and a kohen and a basket and a, and a ceremony and a ritual, what is going on here? We've shared with you before an insight I heard from Rabbi J.J. Shachter that in contrast to Truma and Meiser, which represents 10% different amounts of our uh, income are tithed. The farmer would take a percentage, a portion of the produce and allocate differently. There was true much from Gedola, there was Meiser, there was Meiser Ani, there was Meiser Shani, there was the Meiser given to Levi. There was different tithes that were given to different directions. But the farmer had to take a much more significant percentage, unmore, unlike a little fig, unlike a first fruit, one fruit. The farmer took much more. And yet, no pomp, no circumstance, no attention, no parade, no music. Why the difference? The answer is, by the time the farmer took that 10%, by the time a farmer allocated a percentage, the farmer knew how much they got to keep. They looked at 90% of that income and the farmer got to keep it. This 10%, beautiful, wonderful, they're sharing it, they're allocating it, they're designated as they are demanded, but they get to keep 90%. Hashem is much more than 90% responsible for the success of that farm, of that produce, of that income, and yet he says to the farmer, you, you keep the 90%. I only ask for 10% for you to share with my other children, with your siblings. The farmer to give out 10% when he was responsible for less than 10% of the success, that is not necessarily remarkable. So there's no pomp and circumstance, there's no parade. But Bikurim represents the first fruit. It's the beginning. And as the beginning and as the first, the farmer has no idea what is yet to come. The farmer doesn't know, will his field, will his produce, will it produce anything more? And yet, the farmer takes that little amount that first, and gives it to Hashem, gives it to Beis HaMikdash, gives it as He was de- designated to do. That, in fact, is deserving of a parade of pomp of circumstance. The Babach Rebbe Zatzal, Sichos, has a different interpretation. And he says, you know, every farmer brings their basket. And they put that first fruit in a basket. And every farmer gets their moment to shine. They come before that coin. Their basket is placed at the Mizbeach. And you know, what's in one farmer's basket might be very different than what's in the other farmer's basket. One farmer might be overdue, overcome with, overwhelmed with magnificent, flourishing, thriving, blossoming, succulent, beautiful produce. And the other, dried out, shriveled up, barely holding on. But each farmer is to only look in their basket. To not compare, to not compete, but to only look in their basket. And When a person, when a farmer, when every one of us with our income look in our basket, what we have, what we need, how we're living, and we do it with a sense of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, then the Samach Tebacholatov will feel good and will feel happy. The parade, the pomp, the circumstance was to celebrate the individual success, was to celebrate an attitude of not comparing, not competing, of not needing to live up, not needing to live someone else's life, but to only look in one's own basket, to be happy, happy and satisfied with one's own lot, with what one finds. The Medrash and Bereshus Rabbah on our opening of our parish of Ayakisavo writes, Ravuna B'Shem Rabbi Masni, B'schuskim Udvarm Nivra Olam. In the merit of three things, the world was in fact created. B'schus Chala, U Maisros, U In the merit of Chala, 
challah, taking off a portion of dough, originally given to the coin, once we lost a track or confidence of who are who has the lineage of Kohanim. Today our minig, our practice, is to burn or to dispose of the challah that we separate. Maisros, the tithe, the bikurim, the first fruit. Shneba bereshes baralokim. It says at the beginning, God created, Ein reshes ala challah. Dixav reshes ariso seichem. Ve'ein reshes ala maiser, dixav reshes degancha. Ve'ein reshes ala bikurim, dixav reshes bikurim ad masacha. So that word reshes first is used three times. It's used in the context of challah, it's used in the context of Meiser, and it's used in the context of Bikurim. And therefore, used in all three of those contexts, we learn and we deduce that Reishis first, it's in the merit of those things, Bereishis Bara Elokim. God created the beginning in the beginning, and therefore these things that are beginning, that are Reishit, it is in that merit. And one does Rav Druk, The Medrash lists other things that in its merit, the world was created. The world was created in the merit of Torah. And you saw the Jewish people. We know the Jewish people, God and Torah, are one. We are intertwined. The whole world exists for the Torah, which is a blueprint of creation, for the Jewish people, which are the pinnacle and responsible to shape and mold and bring redemption to creation. And that is the goal, that is the purpose of the world, to use Torah as the tool to navigate. Torah was given the sixth of Sivan, and it says Yom Hashishi. That's a reference to the sixth of Sivan when the Torah was given. The world was created for when the Torah was given. The world was created for Torah. But what does it mean that the world was created for Bikurim? Bikurim is a law in an agriculture agrarian society for the farmer who merits to collect a harvest his or her first fruit. So Bikurim is a law. Torah is filled with a litany of laws. We have Taryag 613 mitzvos. Bikurim is just one of them. So Torah is an overarching principle. Torah is foundational. Jewish people, Yisrael, foundational. But Bikurim? Bikurim is a mitzvah like many, many others. So why in the world does the Medjish credit in the merit of Bikurim the world was created? What is special about Bikurim? So Rav Mordechai Druk, the Drash Mordechai, explains that what is at the core of the mitzvah of Bikurim? Why is the farmer enjoined? Why is the farmer charged to take that first fruit that he worked so hard? First he plowed, then he planted, and then he watered, and then he took the weeds out, and then he backbreaking labor and toil in the hot sun watched and tracked and supervised and protected until finally he harvests that first fruit and gives that first fruit to the Besamitas Yushalayim. And what is at the core? Mitzvah Bikurim Ikar Inyana Lalamed Al Hakaras Hatov. At the core of the Mitzvah Bikurim, we learn the concept of gratitude. Even though really you'd think that what comes first is most precious to us, people hang their first dollar they earned on their wall. People remember their first of everything in life. The first is the most precious. The first represents all that hard work. The first captures what led to it, what came before it. And yet, the farmer takes that precious first and gives it, not on the wall, and doesn't put it in their own Hall of Fame. The farmer takes that first and presents it to Hashem. And the farmer is making a statement. The farmer is affirming that they know that everything they have, everything they produce, everything they bring in, everything they harvest, it is all from Hashem. 
Bikurim is an expression, it is an exercise in gratitude. That's Bikurim. The world was created for Bikurim in the merit of our living with an attitude of gratitude, of being appreciative, of having a sense of context, of being makir tov, identifying and recognizing and pointing out and calling out and communicating our gratitude. And therefore, for the purpose of gratitude, the whole world is worthy of being created. Like the Ramban writes at the end of Parsha's Bo, The tachlis, the goal, the purpose, the essence of being created is to communicate our appreciation to Hashem for everything that came before. That is the core of Hakar Satov. At the core of Hakar Satov is humility, to recognize I was incomplete without what you did for me. Rafutner, we counted it, we've recounted it countless times. The Rafutner points out the same word, modeh hoda'a, the same word it means gratitude and it means admission. Modeh le and modeh al. Because every time I say thank you, I am making a confession. I needed you. I benefited from you. I am better because of you. So a person who's unable to confess and unable to admit to another is not going to be able to express gratitude to say thank you. To say thank you is an exercise in humility. It is a statement that I admit that I needed you, that I benefited from you, that I'm grateful to you. And that is why the world was created. For us to be humble and modest, for us to be selfless, for us to be appreciative, for us to be grateful. In the merit of Bikurim, the world was created an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. And then Rodrigo continues. But before we can offer another interpretation, we have to add two more questions, he says. We find in the mitzvah of Bikurim that there are places that the farmer bows down to God in the process, in the ritual of bringing the Bikurim, the farmer bows down to God. We have to understand. What is the nature of this bowing down? What is this great, noble, exalted idea that the farmer has to bow down? We don't bow down when we take the lulav and esrog. We don't bow down when we blow the shofar. We don't bow down when we light the Hanukkah candles or walk into the sukkah. So we don't bow down when we put on our tefillin. Why bow down? Bikurim is a mitzvah. Tariag, 613. Why bow down with this mitzvah when we don't for others? So we find, Matzina Shatorah Oseres Lahakriv Lashem Seorud Vash. Two ingredients that are forbidden to be offered on the altar are soor leaven and dvash honey. Why? We do not, one of the ingredients, two ingredients that we do not include in any sacrifices are leaven and honey. And the Rishonim explain, Turim and others, we know that the evil inclination the desire, the voice of temptation, the voice of, of animal impulse and instinct, it is likened to leaven. So why is the Yetzirah like leaven? Because leaven is inflated. And when our ego gets inflated, when our desire, when our drive, when our insatiable appetite gets inflated, and we pursue it with reckless abandon, and we give into it and indulge it, then it's also compared to dvash. It's sweet. We think it's delicious. Like honey, shetchilaso matok, Honey, it begins by being sweet and it ends bitter. Why 
Perish Rashi, Mayesh the Chalahavi Menasor Menadvash Korban Reish Shtei Alechem Shalatzeres Haboy Menasor. The exception is the Shtei Alechem of Shavuos. They come from leaven and they're sweet. The Kashem Yachav Bchamok Menatorot Shalakrivulaf Neashem. If the Torah generally doesn't want us, so why in the mitzvah of Shtei Alechem and in the mitzvah of Bikurim is it an exception? Why can the mitzvah of Bikurim come from leaven, come from honey, which is something which is uh, repulsive, something which is rejected when it comes to all other korbanos? When it comes to all other karvanos. And moreover, wonders Rav Druk. Rashi writes, Me reishis, velo kol reishis. En kol aperos chayovim bebikurim. The only, the only uh, fruit that is eligible to be brought as bikurim are the seven species alone. Not everything else. As the Pasuk says, Erechito, Saura, and so on. Just like the Shiva Minim. Just like the land of Israel is praised with and through the seven species. So to the Mitzvah bikurim is only with the seven species. So therefore, you could ask, why are these seven species called rachis? They should be called take from the best of the land. Why are they called take from rachis haaretz, the first or the beginning of the land? So Rav Druk answers as follows. He suggests the following. The first interpretation we brought was from his father, the Drash Mordechai, Rav Mordechai Druk, that Bikurim is an exercise in gratitude and hakaras which itself is an exercise in humility, in anivus. And uh, perhaps that's why, by the way, the farmer has to give a recounting of history till that point, because the farmer remembers with humility where he comes from. Farmer doesn't think, you know what, I'm the end all and be all. I came, yesh I in something from nothing. I remember my humble beginnings. I remember how grateful I am. I remember the miracles of why I got here. And then the farmer presents the new fruit. Because according to Rav Mordechai Druk, the Bikurim is an exercise in, in humility. But of Druk, his son, Yisrael Meir Druk, offers a different suggestion. Based on these two questions about the leaven and about the honey, and why are these seven species specifically called Rashis? He says, we find many times in the Torah that the Torah wants us to give, God wants us to give, to dedicate, to devote our first. You bring the Kohen Rashis Pri Adama. We find Pidyan Aben, a first son, is given to the Kohen, has to be redeemed. With Yerusha, Kyurashis, Ono, Lo Mishpat HaBechora. We have a Dagesh on the Rashis. Rashis Hagez, Petr Chamor. We have many mitzvahs in the Torah that begin with our first, like Yaakov Avinu, Kochi, Vereshis Oni. What we do first has a Chashivas. Our first accomplishment, our first achievement, our first return, our first peros, literally and figuratively, represents as a chashivas, has a significance, has a special place for us. So when we take that which is most precious, that which is most special, and we dedicate it to Hashem, as I call Hashem Shech Nigra Achrei Haschala, everything follows the beginning. So if we get our beginning, if we get our first right, everything will follow it. Everything follows the beginning. The beginning is so important. It's important to get it right. It's important to start with the right attitude. It's important to create some momentum and some traction because everything follows the beginning. And that's as Rav Druk is the idea. The Torah tells us in Shulchan Aruch, the very beginning of Shulchan Aruch, Wake up the right way. Wake up with zeal and enthusiasm and energy. Wake up with a positive attitude and optimism. Wake up and greet the day. Don't sleep in, don't snooze, don't let half the day disappear. Wake up and roar like a lion because everything follows the beginning of the day. And now we understand. 
When it comes to other korban menachos, when it comes to other flower offerings, you can't have seor udvash. You can't have leaven and you can't have honey. Why? So when it comes to the beginning of the mincha, you can't have those ingredients. But when it comes to the beginning of a person, now the bikurim, the she'alechem, they include it to tell us that we have that ability inflate ourselves to see ourselves, our capacity, our potential, to see what we could achieve, to see who we could be, to see the greatness, the godless Adam, to recognize and to appreciate what we could do and who we could become. The idea that the world was created for Bikurim is that the world was created for us to dedicate our firsts, for us to dedicate our best selves, for us to dedicate our personalities, our skills, our talents, so what the Kotzker Rebbe says in the Pasuk, HaShamayim, HaShamayim, HaShem, V'ha'aretz nasan levnei adam. She'nasan ha'kodesh baruch ha'aretz levnei adam, K'day she'yasu meha'aretz shamayim. What a beautiful Kotzker. It says the heavens belong to HaShem, and the earth is for man. It means that God gave the earth to man to turn the earth into heaven. That's our mission, to build that bridge, to create that connection, to transform the earth into a little piece of heaven, and to be able to make that difference here on earth, to wake up with that attitude, and to make that difference, and to be able to create that, to be able to create that reality. You come the Mizbeach. So very interesting. We say in our Ubasalakoin, the Torah tells us you bring the basket with the first fruit to the Kohen, and the Kohen. Uh, the coin takes the tenem yadecha, the coin takes the basket from the hand of the farmer, and he places the basket next to the mizbeach, in front of the altar. So it's very interesting. In our ala mechia, we say, we thank God for the food that we just ate. If we eat from the five grains, we eat from the seven species, we drink wine, we make an ala mechia, ala gefen, ala peros, so we say al for the field, and for this desirable, beautiful, broad, uh, wide open, wonderful land that you bequeathed to our ancestors, for us to eat from its fruit, to be satiated from its goodness. Hashem have compassion on your people, the Jewish people, and on Yerushalayim, your city, and on Zion, v'alm is b'checha, v'al heichalacha. Based on the Gemara and Baruchos, Mem, Dalet, Amet, Aleph. This is the Alamechia that we recite, the supposedly shortened version of, of uh, benching, and yet, it mentions alm is b'checha. So the question is asked, wait, benching itself doesn't include that theme. Alamechia is supposed to be a succinct, consolidated version of benching. So why would the consolidated, abbreviated version of benching, known as Alamechia, have a theme that doesn't even appear in the benching itself, namely, Amaz Bechecha? What is it doing? What is it doing here? So Rav quotes from his brother, Rav Zalman Druk. We heard from Rav Mordechai Druk, Rav Yisrael Meir Druk, and now Rav Shlomo Zalman Druk. Why does it say Amaz Bechecha? It's supposed to be a consolidated, abbreviated form. So he says the following. He says the following. Maybe, maybe it's an illusion to hear. We know you say Alamechia, not just on the grain, but also on the Shivas Aminim. Since when you brought the first fruit of the Shiva Minim, they were placed next to the Mizbeach, when we say the Alaperos, when we say this Bracha, which references those species, 
we miss, we long for. We feel the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, and that's why we include this theme. That's why we mention Mizbeach specifically here. Now, when the farmer recites this formula, when he brings these first fruit, he says this review of history. Arami Ovid Avi Vayered Mitzrayma. An Aramean tried to destroy my father. I came down to Egypt, and he descended to Egypt and sojourned there. We were few in number. From there we became the Goy Gadol Atsum Varav. We became a magnificent nation. What does it mean, Arami Ovid Avi? Who is the Aramid Ovi Avi? Who is it? So Rashi quotes Lovan Bikesh Lakoras Ako. We referenced this in our Haggadah. Last year in the Parshish year, we quoted from Rav Yosef Tzirimon. We quoted from the chief rabbi of Gush Etzion, Ravan Alon Shavut. In his beautiful Haggadah, he has a wonderful interpretation of what are we doing here? Aramid Ovid Avi. Lovan wanted to uproot everything. Lovan was, was worse than Paro. What does that mean? Lavan didn't try to destroy the Jewish people. Paro tried to annihilate the Jewish people. What's going on over here? That's what we quoted last year. But I want to share with you an insight from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. I got this magnificent set of Chumashim, and I'm very grateful to the uh, editor for sharing it uh, with me. Thank you very, very much. It's a beautiful new set of Chumashim that recently came out. Here you can see it. Mikros Gedolos Pardes. What is Mikros Gedolos Hapardes? Listen to the in commentaries that are on every page of this Mikros Gedolos, a very unusual new Mikros Gedolos. Classic commentaries, Unklos Rashi, Svarno Orachayim, Dasikenim, Ibn Ezra, Kliyakar, Ramban, classic commentaries, Balaturim, but also Zohar, Balshemtov, Balatanya, Gra, Likute Sichos, Lubavitcherebi, Chidos, Vasemes, Likute Alachos of Breslov, the Ari, the Benishchai, Beis Aaron, the Chos of Lublin, the Kedushas Levi, the Magad of Nezrich, normally Melech. Amazing, amazing. All neatly laid out. A beautiful, beautiful new Chumash. I'm very grateful for and looking forward to going through more in depth. So here he quotes from the Kutei Sichos, from Baba Rebbe, who writes, Aramid Ovid Avi, Tzorach Biur, Madua Mazkirun Davke Satsalami Lovan Uparo, Veloshan Isoshanasu Lavoseno. Why this farmer? The farmer brings his first fruit. And he makes his way with pomp and circumstance on a parade, as we talked about, to Yerushalayim, to the base of Mikdash. And he's greeted, he's met by the Kohen. The Kohen takes his basket, and the farmer offers a declaration. He recites this magnificent formula, and he says, Love and wanted to destroy us, and here we are. And boy, am I grateful. Why does he specifically mention Lavan and Paro? Why does he invoke those two villains? Why doesn't he mention other great miracles? Kriyas Yamsuf, the Mon, the Be'er, there are countless miracles that escorted us through our journey in the Midbar. Why doesn't the farmer review the other miracles? Why specifically these? V'yeshlomar says the Rebbe, The mitzvah Bikurim only kicks in after we conquer the land and settle the land. Because the gratitude the farmer is meant to feel is not just for the gift of the land and for the fruit, the Jewish people have been journeying 40 years. 40 years we have been unpacking and packing and unpacking and packing on the run. We've been mobile. We've been on the move. The Jewish people have been journeying. And now finally they get to settle down, get to unpack. There's a sense of consistency, a set of settling in, a sense of joy. Because we had been settled in in Mitzrayim. We had been settled in with Lavan. 
Adarabba, Bemokamahu, Ratsu Lechalosam. That last sense of settled in was with people who wanted to destroy us. Lavan wanted us to assimilate. Assimilation is in some ways even worse than physical persecution. Assimilation, we, we uh, utterly disappear. Umodim Sha'achshav Yigil Aretz Yisrael Aretzrael, Ba'ofen Shokviyas Venitzalam Tachlis Hatov. So the Baruch Rebbe says, we specifically invoke these miracles because now the farmer is turning to transition to settle in, but to settle in with safety and security, with joy and optimism, with continuity, and with a Jewish attitude, a Jewish mentality, a Jewish community, a Jewish future, as opposed to the last time we settled in when all of that was at risk, all of that was in threat. So Kriya Samsuf, incredible miracle. The man falling, psh, unbelievable miracle. The Be'er, tremendous miracle. But we're not simply mentioning miracles. The farmer is not only reviewing miracles, the farmer is reviewing those who wanted to annihilate, who wanted to destroy, and with gratitude making a, offering a recognition, the miracle of being here today, the miracle of how many things had to go right to survive. So you could bring that first fruit, and all you think about is the first fruit, or you could bring the first fruit and realize everything that went into that first fruit. Not only... You know, I have a first fruit because I'm here. And I'm here because I have parents. And my parents are only here because their parents survived the war. And they survived the war because of these miracles that happened. So every moment, you know, in, in a Jewish simcha, Baruch Hashem, our extended family has been zochet, have several simchas recently. And we should all have many, many more. Ofrofs and sheva brachas, weddings, bar mitzvahs and bas mitzvahs and brisim and births of girls and all kinds of wonderful simchas. And very often what happens, you, you find, it's probably unusual. I won't say uniquely Jewish, but it's unusual. You're speaking at a simcha, and someone or someones, so often several people, will invoke previous generations, grandparents, great-grandparents who are no longer here. Not only because maybe the, the, uh, the person we're celebrating that simcha about, they're the namesake of someone who lived before, but when we have a simcha, we don't just freeze the frame and pause in that moment to celebrate that simcha in real time. But it becomes an excuse to talk about everything it took to get to that simcha. Who came before and how we got here, and what were the miracles that we experienced. Our community just suffered a terrible loss in uh, the loss of, of Mordechai ben Shlomo, Mr. Martin Judovitz, a Holocaust survivor. He was an extraordinary, extraordinary individual, like all survivors who had an amazing life story. But it didn't bring him down, having lost his parents and his siblings, aunts and uncles and cousins, everything in the world he knew. He was devoted and dedicated to rebuild it. His life was about bringing six million more into the world. It was about continuing the Jewish people. And the end of his book, he has an autobiography, uh, amazing, amazing memoirs, and uh, called uh, um, Destruction and Rebirth. And in it, in it, the end, he has a chapter that recounts all the miracles God did for him. He goes through his life and says, you know, people wonder, how do I believe in God? So here's a chapter that recounts and recalls all the miracles of how I got here. This is my memoir, The End of My Life. He was 94 years old. He says, here are the miracles throughout my life of how I got here. His grandson-in-law at the funeral that just happened on a Friday, his grandson-in-law spoke beautifully about him, Ami, and at the end he said, Saba, you won. You defeated Hitler. You accomplished all you set out to do, Am Yisrael Chai. And that's this farmer. Aramid Ovid Avi. They wanted to destroy us. They wanted to eliminate us. And the farmer says, but here I am despite Paro's best effort, 
And despite Lavan's nefarious plans, here I am in the Beis HaMikdash, in Yerushalayim, presenting my first fruit to the Kohen, celebrating We won. We defeated those enemies. Here we are. Am Yisrael Chai Hashem. We thank you with Akar Satov, Bikurim, V'samacht Bechol with a tremendous sense of gratitude. And the farmer then continues with a Vidwe Meiser. Perachavav Pasuk. Perachavav Pasuk Yud Gimel. And he says the following, Vidwe Meiser. Rejoice with all the goodness Hashem has given you. Ki We now go on. And the farmer offers a confession about his Shumas and Maisos. A confession about the tithes. The tithes that the farmer brings. They have to be taken from crops based on a three-year cycle. Every year the first tithe is given to the Levium. During the first and second years, Maisar Sheni has to be taken to Yerushalayim. During the third year, instead of Maisar Sheni, Maisar Ani is brought and distributed to the poor. And it's repeated every three years, with the exception of the seventh year, next year for us, which is a Shemitah year, and the 50th year, which is a Yova year. By the day before Pesach, after each of the three-year cycles, the owner has to make sure that you delivered each of these three-year responsibilities, these taxes, these tithes, and the farmer would get up, the last day of Pesach, the fourth and seven years, he would recite this vidui. He would recite this confession that he got it all right. Now, it's a big question. We've discussed in the past. We're not going to discuss right now because there's so much more to cover. But this is a confession? The Mishnah calls this vidui meiser. Torah doesn't call it, but the Mishnah calls it vidui meiser. It is the confession of the meiser. What kind of confession? If you look at it, let's examine this confession. What does the farmer say? He says, I destroyed everything that was meant to be purged from the home. I distributed everything properly where it was meant to be given. I did everything the way I was commanded. I didn't violate anything and I didn't forget to do anything. Imagine, we spoke about this last year, two years ago. Come home and I tell my wife, I have a confession to make. She says, ooh, interesting, let me hear. I'm not happy, but what is it? We'll work it out. What's your confession? I say, I have a confession to make. My confession is I'm perfect. My confession is I did everything right. I've done nothing wrong. I must confess that I'm perfect. That wouldn't go very well. That's hardly a confession. So why do we call this vidoy meiser? The confession of meiser. We've offered several answers in the past. We're not going to get into that now. But what does it mean? What does it mean? So the beautiful Imre Chaim, the vision of the Rebbe, the Heilige vision of the Rebbe says, what does it mean? Lo achalti ve'oni mimenu. Perek v'chavav, pasuk yedalad. Lo achalti ve'oni. So he says, I did everything as I was commanded. I did not violate any of your rules. I did not forget or leave anything out. Lo achalti ve'oni mimenu. I have not eaten of it while I was in a state of mourning. Nor did I destroy it when I was in a state of lames, And I did, not, I did not give any of it for the needs of the dead. I heard your voice and I did exactly as you asked. What does that mean? What does that mean? So, Says that, we said, I distributed it and I gave it out to everyone, including the poor, and I didn't violate your mitzvos. Says the Mechayim, some people have a tendency to say, you know, it's okay that I cut corners and bend rules. It's okay that I cheat and steal. It's okay that I neglect mitzvos. It's okay that I'm not vigilant or scrupulous and I'm not observant of Torah and mitzvos. You know why? 
I give a lot of tzedakah. I write a big check. I give a lot of tzedakah. And therefore, I pay my way out. I give a lot of tzedakah. So by giving a lot of tzedakah, I excuse myself from the other things that I come up short. Says the Torah, that is an incorrect and appropriate attitude. One should give what they need to give. And at the same time, it's not an excuse. Giving tzedakah is not an excuse. It's not a payday or a payoff from being able to get out of doing mitzvahs. And then he continues, The farmer says, The word mimenu is the same letters as the word mamon, which means money. means I didn't eat the tithe. I didn't eat it in a state of mourning. I didn't eat it in a state of mourning. Mimenu, read it, don't read it, mimenu, but read it as mamon. Says the Imrechaim, what the Pasuk is telling us is, I never got sad over money. I never let money bring me down. Money can create real problems. People who have a deficiency, a shortage, it's not easy. It's not simple. It could be a real struggle. But it doesn't have to rob or steal us of our happiness. And so the farmer says, no matter how well my produce did, whether it was a great year or whether it was a poor, a weak year, either way, nevertheless, I wasn't ever, my happiness was not influenced by mamon. Mimenu, mamon, lo achalti ba'oni. I never got sad from a lack of, from a lack of money. That is the Imre Chaim. That's the Imre Chaim. But listen to this fasemis. Uwah. It was worth turning in, tuning in to the whole Parsha Shir today just for the following Sfas Emes. So if you're multitasking while you're watching or listening and you tuned out for the last couple of minutes, tune back in. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Tune back in and listen to this Sfas Emes because this is worth the entire thing. Lo avarti mitzvosecha velo shachachti. Wonders the Heilige Ger Rebbe, wonders the Lev of Ger of Sfas Emes. He says, what do you mean lo avarti mitzvosecha? I didn't violate any of your mitzvos. And I didn't forget, I didn't neglect. Isn't it redundant? Isn't it repetitive? I didn't violate. I didn't forget. Of course, if you didn't violate, you didn't forget. If you did the mitzvah, you obviously didn't forget to do the mitzvah. You just said and acknowledged you did the mitzvah. So why the redundancy? What does it mean? I didn't violate your mitzvahs. And I didn't forget. So it says, the Gere Rebbe says, this was a mess. Mikaan anu lomdim, sh'adam yachol lishkoch es ha-mitzvah, af ba'eshu osek b'kiyuma. What do you see from here? You see that a person can forget the mitzvah, even while they are fulfilling it. There are two different accomplishments. These are two different measures, two different goals. Number one, lo avarti mitzvah secha. Do the mitzvah. But number two, lo shachachti, while you're doing the mitzvah, be mindful about the mitzvah. Pay attention to the mitzvah. Be present. Be fully engaged in what you are doing. You see from here that you can forget even while you are engaged, even while you are engrossed, even while you are doing. When a person by rote, by habit, on autopilot, is mailing it in, to those who are watching externally, to the spectator, to the observer, it looks like you're doing a mitzvah. But if your mind is elsewhere, so somebody shaking the lulav and esrog, is learning sukkah, got lulav on the mind. Somebody shaking the lulav and esrog to the spectator in shul or walking by their sukkah, oh, there's a Jew, there's a yid fulfilling a mitzvah. 
But you know, the person shaking the lulav, but their mind is elsewhere. They're thinking about a conversation they had, they're thinking about something they have to get done, they're worried about something in the future, they're thinking about something totally narishkeit, but their mind is elsewhere. That, then they're not really there. Bashem Tov said, we are wherever our thoughts are. So the Hela Geger Rebbe says, the beautiful Sasema says, these are two different levels we're trying to achieve. One, lo avartim secha. The action, get the mitzvah right, get the act right. But lo shachachti, and also don't forget while you're doing the mitzvah, lo shachachti. While you're doing the mitzvah, don't forget to be present for the mitzvah. Going through the motion of mitzvahs, very good at. Our generation, Baruch Hashem, we have opportunities we're scrupulous, we're vigilant, we're machmir, we're careful, we're beautiful at performing the mitzvah. But being mindful, being present, being there, not as good. This actually is relevant to the very last Pasuk of our parsha. The very last Pasuk says, Fulfill the words of this bris, the covenant, the Torah, and do them. One of my favorite psukim, so neglected in the whole Torah, Observe the words of this covenant and perform them. Why? What does Laman Taskilu here mean? The word Taskilu means Laman Tatslichu, so that you are successful. So that you are successful in all that you do. How are you successful in all that you do? So what does it mean, Laman Taskilu? Wishmartem Laman Taskilu. So the, the Targum says, uh, Targum Innocent says, Laman Taskilu, Laman Tisbedudin. It means that a person has his, uh, his boninus, his boninus, to be present, to be fully engaged. Uncle is here in our parsha says, To be successful in all you do. Who doesn't have that aspiration? Who doesn't have that goal? Who doesn't have, who doesn't have that goal to want to succeed in everything that we do? Our goal, our mission is to be successful in everything, in everything that we do, in everything that we do. However, the Targum Yerushalmi, Targum Yerushalmi is different than Unklosir. Unklosir says, Taskilu is Tatslichu. How do you define success? What is success for you? Is success your bank account? Is success your wardrobe? Is success followers and friends on social media? How do you define success? How do you define success? Observe the words of this bris so you are successful. How do you define success? So the Targum Yerushalmi differs from the simple interpretation of the Pasuk and writes, guard the words of this Torah. Why? Disbonanun. So you will contemplate all that you do. Mizbonin. Hisbonanus. Hisbonanus is the key, says Ravolba in Aleishor Chilak Aleph on page Peites. Hisbonus is the key that unlocks the spiritual treasure chest. Being contemplative, being present, being engaged, being mindful being conscious with what we're doing, his boninus. So many people are mindlessly, callously, momentum is carrying them through life, and that is an unsuccessful life. It doesn't matter how big your bank account, it doesn't matter how many zeros, it doesn't matter what other, other, whatever other society's measure of success is. If we're not misbonain, if we're not present and mindful, and our mind is elsewhere, then where are we and what are we doing? Lo shachachti. Not only did I go out to dinner with you, honey, lo shachachti, I was present and I was there. Not only did I take you to the park, kids, lo shachachti, I didn't forget to be there while I was physically there. I was mindful. I was present. Mesil Susharim has an emphasis on this, that notion of, of mindfulness, of presence, of being vigilant, 
of being where we are, misbonein. The secret of success is revolva. The very definition of success is his boninus, to be misbonein, to be present, to be mindful, to be engaged. To be engaged. Perk Havzayin, Pasuk Tes. Moving right along. Perk Havzayin, Pasuk Tes. Vaydar Ramosh Valkan, Vayimim Ko Yisrael Yimor, Haskeis Ushma Yisrael. Hayom Hazen Yes La'am Lashem Elokecha. Moshe and the Kohanim Levim spoke to Jewish people and they said, Haskeis Ushma Yisrael. What do these two words mean? Haskeis Ushma Yisrael. What's the difference between Haskeis and Shma Yisrael? Two words, Haskeis Moshe, the Kohanim, the Levim are trying to get the Jewish people's attention and trying to communicate and impart this message. Today you became a nation. Today you became a people. Listen to God's voice. And be observant. And you will live a beautiful and a rich and a powerful life. What do these two words mean? Shema we know, we're familiar with. Shema is a familiar word. Shema means to hear, to listen. What does the word haskes mean? So the Svarno writes, haskes means picture in your mind. Says the Svarno, haskes, have a vision, have a picture, have an image. Ushma and contemplate. And then you will hear and then you will understand. So Revolba writes, Revolba writes, haskes, ushma Israel. This is an Ali Shor Chelik Beis on page Reish Ayin Dalit. And Revolba writes, Haskes Ushma Yisrael. Listen to this. Listen to this beautiful insight of Revolba. He says, you want to succeed in life, there's a concept called having vision, imaging. You know, Lahavdil, 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 great athletes do this. Great athletes. The golfer, before they swing, is picturing exactly the trajectory, the speed, the target of their ball. The, the football player is imagining and seeing that play unfold before it happens. The baseball player is picturing that pitch and how they'll hit it and where it will go. The great athletes, Lahavdil, they use this incredible power, this tool that they're taught to have a picture, to have a vision, and that helps it become a reality. So says Revolba, based on the Svorno, Lahavdil, we can do the same thing when it comes to Emuna and when it comes to our relationship with Hashem. And Pesach, Chayvadam Liros Picture yourself like you left Egypt. Imagine that pillar of fire that is illuminating the way and the path. Imagine all the Jewish people collectively walking out and charging out. Picture with Amuna, make it come alive. Imagine the events. Picture the Beis Mikdash. picture Akedas Yitzchak, picture Yitzchak Mitzrayim, picture Harsinai receiving the Torah. Take a few minutes and let your imagination fill with these images, fill with these details. Let the imagination run wild. This notion of using the imagination, of imagery, of vision, of creating a picture in order to create a reality, this is not new. And it wasn't discovered by star athletes. Haskes Ushma Yisrael. Says the Sforno, imagine it, picture it, Ushma, and then think about it. Because we can create that reality. We have the vision, we have the picture, and then from the vision and from the picture, we create the reality. We bring it into reality. We bring it into, into being. Famously as the Tochacha, Bechukosa and Kisava, we read it in Kisava because Chazal tell us, Let the year and its curses, let the year and its suffering, let the year and its challenges, its gzeros, 
Let the year and the tragedy of Meron and the tragedy of the bleachers and the tragedy of the collapse of the building in Surfside and the tragedy of the boys who died in the plane crash and the tragedy of COVID and the tragedy and the tragedy and the tragedy. Let the year of Klolos, of tragedies, end. Let's read the Tochacha. Let's get it out of the way. Let's close the book. Let's turn the page on the Tochacha. Let's get the curses out of the way and move on to a life of blessings. And that's why Chazal, our rabbis, instituted and they designed the cycle of reading the Torah that we read Kisavo before Rosh Hashanah, that we end the year, we read the curses to conclude the year and to move on to a year of blessings. So one of these curses, the Arurs, that the people answered Amen to is, Ar Yakim is Torah Hazos, cursed is the one who doesn't uphold the words of Torah to perform them, and the entire people say Amen. The Ramban has several suggestions of what this means, and one of the suggestions of the Ramban is Ar Yakim is Torah Hazos, means that you have the ability to be making Torah, we can uphold, we can lift, we can support Torah, and we don't. You're online at the supermarket, and somebody bagels you. You know what a bagel you is? A bagel is when somebody wants you to know they're Jewish, and they're essentially inviting and inviting you to engage the pintle the yid inside them. So they uh, say, Oy vey. They uh, ask you, when is Rosh Hashanah fall out again? They say something to indicate to you that they're Jewish, and they are all but begging you. They're all but begging you to engage the Jewishness in them. You have an opportunity. Will you be, will you ignore, will you move on, will you neglect, will you walk away, and will you leave the conversation there, or will you accept the invitation? Will you engage? Will you inspire? Will you uplift? Will you share? Will you make contagious our love of Torah? Says the Ramban, Cursed is the one, you have the opportunity to lift the spirits of a fellow Jew. You have the opportunity to inspire. You have the opportunity to engage, to elevate, to enrich with Torah. And you neglect it and you walk away and you ignore it. You are cursed. You are cursed. But the Ramban quotes a second interpretation based on the Yerushalmi and says, What is this? The, the uh, Shimon ben Yakim Omer, Is the Torah falling? The Yerushalmi wonders, does someone have to uphold the Torah? Is it falling down? Is it falling down that it needs to be supported or upheld? Right? We, we know that the Torah carries us more than we carry it. So what do you mean? Cursed is the one who doesn't uphold the, the Torah. So the Ramban quotes the Yerushalmi and Sota. Yerushalmi and Sota quotes from Shimon ben Yakim, who says, this is the Chazan Shu Omed, meaning the one who does Hagba, the one who holds up and opens up. Many from here see that everyone wants the Aliyah, the Aliyah to the Torah comes with the speaking part. So that's the bigger kibud. People feel, oh, it's a bigger kavod. It's a greater honor when I'm called up for an Aliyah to the Torah. There's a speaking part. The Hagba, ah, that's for the strong guy in Shul. I really want an Aliyah. But you see from this Ramban, from this Yerushalmi, that Hagba, the fulfillment, Tanapi Arash, is to in fact lift, proudly lift the Torah and display the Torah for everybody to see. But the question is, is that really such a big deal? Is that really such a thing? Here the Torah has a list of Ur. And what is among the list of Ur? Don't worship idols. And don't uh, strike or curse your parents. And don't violate business boundaries. And don't trip a blind person. And don't uh, aggravate the, the convert and the orphan and the widow. And don't violate rules of promiscuity. Oh, and make sure when you do Hagba, everybody can see. Does that really belong on the list? Is that the culmination of the list, the pinnacle of the list, the climax of the list? The end of the list is, don't do cursed as one who does all those really bad things. And by the way, cursed as someone who doesn't do Hagba impressively. So what's really going on over here? So Rav Druk says the following is Eshtamin. 
says, We learn a very, very important foundation. You see that what we learn from here is that what we see has an enormous impression upon us. What we see, what we see leaves an image. What we see creates a vision. What we see creates a reality. In Ma'adam Roshim Agbim Asatora Betsura Brura Bachazaka, Hariatora Mashpia Lava Amukos, Kiroa Tobi Yafa Toara. If there's somebody who barely unrolls it and barely turns around and is barely holding on to it as the Torah itself is shaking, it leaves one impression. But when you proudly lift it and unravel it, when you can see it and put it on display, when it's held high, Machazan Magbia Sevar Torah, Osazos Betsura Rafa Bechosha, if the chazan, if the person who does hagba is weak and frail and barely holding on, it's wiggling, it's falling, you're so nervous, you just don't want to hit the ground, you don't want to fast, then you're not going to be impressed. But if the person is strong and regal and royal and holds it up and proudly displays it, you will feel lifted with it. You will have a certain image. Torah will have a certain brand. What we see has an impression, has an impact on how we feel, on the reality of what we are. Simotahaskes ushma. See and think about, have a picture, have a vision. One was Revolba, this is Rav Druk, that cursed is the one who doesn't lift it right. And we see this also when Moshe broke the Luchos. Why is it, one does Rav Druk, Moshe first came down, he had to see the people, and only then did he break the luchos. And the Maharsha wonders, in his Chidusha Agados and Yavamos, Samach Bezim and Aleph, the Maharsha wonders, why when Moshe was on top of the mountain, and God tells him, Lech reid ki amcha, go down, your people have, they've messed up, they've blown it, it's all wrong. When he hears that terrible news, why doesn't he shatter the luchos right then? Why doesn't he drop them and break them right then? Why does it take coming down? So the Masha answers, B'Shem Sefer Ikarim, because seeing is believing. More than when someone informs you of something, when you see it with your own eyes, that's when there's real pain. What we feel with our senses, what we see with our eyes, creates a reality more than even the knowledge that comes into our mind. So you see from here the power of seeing, the significance of seeing. What we see creates a reality, which is a reminder, the negative impact of the wrong images, but the positive impact of the right images. Seeing the right thing and seeing it in the right way can have an enormous impression on us. You see this also with the notion of the sota. And Parshas Naso quotes the Gemara Baruch Gimel, the commentators on Parshas Naso. Why does the story of the Nazir vowing not to drink wine come right after the story of the sota of the woman with infidelity? Because if you see what happens to a sota, seeing the impression it leaves, just seeing the reality, there could be a wayward woman. I heard about that in, in movies and books. I heard in faraway paces, in other societies and cultures. But there could be such a woman. I could know that. I could see that. When you see that reality, when you know it's a possibility, you need to do something to dispel, to offset, to erase just the negative impact, the contamination of knowing, of seeing a roa, a sota bekekula. You have to take an action. And what's the action? Yazar atzmo min hayayin. You see that power. We see that power. So that's what's going on over here. 
Hachazan shemagbi a sefer Torah. The eno mara laam karoyes aksav. If the chazan who does hagba doesn't really open enough columns and doesn't really turn all the way around, and people can't see inside the Torah and they are not uplifted, they are not moved by seeing the Torah. Aydei sheyiru kaches chisarim kvod haTorah. You cannot believe zilzul bechvod haTorah chalila. It could have a negative impression. It could have a negative impact. You see haskes ushma picture. And then there is the reality. And that is Arash Aliyakim is the Torah as well as well going on over here. Okay, we have time for one more. Let's do Baruch Ata. We'll do one more quick one. At the end of the Tokacha, Chavches Memzayim. Per Chavches Pasuk Memzayim. The end of the Tokacha, Tokacha tells us why is this harsh rebuke? Why is this harsh punishment? This graphic, painful, difficult horrific punishment. Why is it visited? Why is it meted out of the Jewish people? Because says the Torah, because you didn't serve Hashem with gladness, with goodness in your heart when everything was abundant, when you had it all, when you had so much to be grateful for. Instead of focusing on what was there, you focused on what was missing. Instead of focusing with gratitude, you focused on complaining. You weren't living b'simcha. You see the power of simcha is so strong that when you lack simcha, when you don't have joy, the tochacha is visited upon us. So the Katzka Rebbe, the great Katzka, this wonderful Sefer, I've been sharing with you, Emes Ve'amuna, the Heilige Katzka Rebbe, of Menachem Mendel of Katz writes, You know, you could read this in one of two ways. Either that you didn't serve Hashem with, with simcha, meaning your service of Hashem was rote and sad and fabisana and miserable, that Torah and mitzvahs were a burden and a hardship that you wish you could unload it and you didn't have to do it, you could read it that way. Or you could read, Lo Hashem you didn't serve Hashem. And how were you not serving Hashem? Were you not serving Hashem but at least feeling a little guilty? Were you violating Hashem but feeling a little down? Were you violating and not realizing who you could have been in the service of Hashem but feeling like you're underachieving? No. Not serving Hashem, but how? You were doing it with a full heart. You were neglecting Hashem and happy about it. You were not serving Hashem. And how are you not serving Hashem? You were joyous in your not serving Hashem. Again, we see that expression. That a person, God forbid, is not serving Hashem with joy and with, with enthusiasm, with energy, with mindfulness, with meaning, with gishmak, but rather rote and habit and just getting by with the bare minimum. And this way a person becomes very cold, cold-hearted. It's a very cold Judaism. And they forget there's a creator until they violate If you know there's a God, if you feel accountable to Him, if you recognize there are consequences, even when we're tempted or drawn to do the wrong thing, we remember. And you see from here, says the Kotzker, what an important value, what an important idea, not just to put a check next to the mitzvah. Lulavanesro check, tefillin check, davening check, chesed check, tzedakah check, 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 dafyomi check, 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 check. It's not about a check. It's not about just doing it. It's how we do it. It's how we do it with love, with simcha, with joy. That is the key to the continuity of our people. It is what's critical for our children to see that it's not, it's not uh, geferlach to be a Jew. 
that it's not something which is hard to be a Jew, but it's geschmack to be a Yid. It's wonderful, it's beautiful, that it's, it's amazing, it's life-changing, besimcha, to feel besimcha in everything we do. Wishing you a beautiful day. If you'd like the notes, Parsha Perspectives, it's a beautiful PDF of the notes of uh, Parsha Perspective. You want to be able to print them out and bring them to your Shabbos table, share the Dirty with others. Subscribe to our newsletter at rabbiefremgoldberg.org, rabbiefremgoldberg.org, and you can sign up for the newsletter that has a PDF uh, notes on the Parsha themes we spoke about today. Subscribe on YouTube and get notified in real time every time we go live. Learn together with us, including tomorrow morning, 8.15, 10 minutes of meeting, Mr. Sharm, 8.45, Living with Amuna. Tomorrow night we are going behind the bima with Rav Moshe Weinberger, the great Rav Moshe Weinberger, the Rav of Ish Kodesh. Psh, talk about being on fire. He is amazing. You will be blown away. No better way in the month of Elul to be getting ready for the Yom Naraim. Join us then. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.